Hello there. You are listening to the MCC Sunday Sermon. We are so glad you could join us. We pray that this message will encourage you, build your faith on your journey with God. Enjoy. 2024, it feels like the future. This is kind of the time when you would look as a kid or something earlier in your life and be like, wow, 2024, off in the distance. And now you're here at the very start of the future. <laughs> The very start of 2024. It's been a big year last year for so many, like Andrew was saying, maybe it was high, maybe it was low, maybe it was great, maybe it was a challenge, maybe it was the best year of your life and you can't wait for this year, maybe this year's shaping up to be something, I don't know, maybe, maybe it's full of hope, possibilities, maybe it's full of dread, maybe you're looking on the rest of this year thinking, I don't know how I'm going to get through. We're real right at the very start. It's full of hope and promise, but sure, maybe there's a little bit of, I don't know. I don't know. A bit of uncertainty, a little bit of not sure, a little bit of what's out there I'm not, not quite convinced of just yet. It's a little bit blank, a little bit unexplored. I don't know. Not really sure. Scripture I'm going to use this morning a little bit is found in Genesis chapter 12. If you've got your Bible, you can turn to it. But we've got a big Bible on the screen behind me too, just in case you don't have a Bible. I'm going to read it from my Bible. It says this in Genesis chapter 12. It says this, The Lord had said to Abram, it says, Yet Abraham, I'm not misreading it, He's not yet Abraham, he's still Abram. It says, he said to Abram, Leave your native country, your relatives, and your father's family. Go to the land I will show you. I'll make you into a great nation. I'll bless you and make you famous, and you'll be a blessing to others. I will bless those who bless you and curse those who treat you with contempt. All the families on earth will be blessed through you. The title of my message this morning is Here Be Dragons. Here Be Dragons. It's not going to be an essay about end time prophecy. Don't worry. We're not going to get into who the, the, the Babylonian person is writing at the end of Revelation. We're not going to get into types of dragons. The title of my message this morning is taken from a medieval term for, well, it's a medieval uh, term that was used in cartography. Anyone know what cartography is? Cartography is the study of maps. It's got nothing to do with shopping carts, no. Cartography is the art and the science of map making. Are you with me so far? Cartography, here be dragons is a famous statement that was found on many an old map. Uh, I kind of had a bit of an obsession with maps. I think my dad was to blame for this because every time we would go out, even for a picnic, like even on a Saturday picnic, out would come the fold-out paper ordnance survey map. For anyone who's under maybe 20, they're all like, paper map? Do you not just look at it on your phone, Google Maps, SatNav? But back in the day, how I'm witness in here, was the paper map. You'd have to unfurl it, would you not? Unfold it all, and then you'd have to find where the, where the map actually was, and you'd have to, like, fold it in a special way and, and get it down. And if you were really smart, you'd have the little plastic map pocket. Am I with you with me? You'd go out for a, go out for a, 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 what do they call it? A bimble. you go for a bimble, which is not quite a hike. It's not quite a walk. It's, oh, going out for a bimble. No one in the room has heard of a bimble before. The English people are like, I know what a bimble is. 
A bimble is just a walk. You go for a little hike, but you have to have your ordnance survey map in a plastic pocket. That's how you knew who was really into walking and who wasn't. But maps, my dad would break out these maps. I had maps on my wall at home. All the ways we'd have National Geographic, the magazine, and the little inserts, you'd pop them out and break them out and you'd put them on your wall and it would be something totally irrelevant to your life. But I loved it because it was a map. I think maps were just, it, it got in my spirit, I think. I'd wake up every morning, I'd have a world map on my wall. Has anyone else had anything like that? I've got all the young people like, world map? What's that? Uh, big world map on my wall. I'd, I'd learn the coastlines and the rivers and where the mountain ranges are and what the capital cities were and where were the biggest lakes. And that was just, maps was my jam. I was a bit of a nerd, you can tell. <laughs> well, we don't believe it now, Graham. You're so cool. <laughs> Don't laugh so hard. I rebuke that in Jesus. Dreams of exploration, though, wasn't it? There were the bits that, bits that you'd never been to, bits that you didn't know about. I think it's maybe something to do with the fact that as soon as I possibly could, I got on a plane on the longest journey possible and went all the way from the southwest of the United Kingdom and flew all the way to Australia on the other side of the world to start a whole new life. I think it was something about... Distant lands, right? Maps. And this term, here be dragons, was something that was written on medieval maps. And it basically was the term for any unexplored place. You can kind of see it in this old map. Let me get my bearings here. I don't know if you can see this very well, but over here is, at this point of this map being made, look, Australia wasn't quite finished. (laughs) They knew about this bit, but they didn't know about this bit, so it's blank. And when they produce other maps whether it be seafaring maps or land maps, a lot of the time it would have this phrase, here be dragons, because they didn't know. And they just probably assumed there was something bad. (laughs) There was something going to go wrong in that area. They didn't know. And now you're wondering why you came to church to hear about cartography. (laughs) But I think to some degree, aren't we all map makers? We're always mapping things out in our minds, in our, in our world that we live in around us, facing the unknown potentially. We're always drawing boundaries, routines and patterns, boundary lines and markers in real life. I bet you, you know the exact route to take from your bed to the bathroom if it's pitch black. If you don't have the light on, you can probably make your way all the way from your bed along the thing, down the hall, into your bathroom. You know exactly how to get there. Am I right? It's not just me. We're always mapping, aren't we? We always know how to get from here to home. You don't need to get your sat-nav out. You've got it mapped out. Maybe you do need the sat-nav. Maybe some people are, you know, directionally challenged. (laughs) Mental maps. If the traffic is bad on that road, I'll go this way. If I know that it's going to be difficult to get to that particular part of the shopping center, I know I can get around the back and go in that way. Like, we're all map makers to some degree. Maybe even with our emotional maps. Maybe we've got maps of pathways, well-worn pathways of thinking. When they say this, I react like this. It's a map, isn't it? We know the directions to take. When I'm feeling defeated, I turn to this habit. It's a well-worn pathway. It's a map. What about maps of things that haven't happened yet? The rest of, the, the rest of today. Pretty sure most of us have a plan, almost, a little map of what's going to happen today. You're going to leave here, you're going to go home, you're going to have some lunch potentially, and then you're going to hang out with some friends, or you're going to have a little nap. You know, I'll do that, I'll do that. A little map, a little 
little direction. Maybe tomorrow's the same. You know what's going to happen basically tomorrow. It's not going to really get any different, is it? Monday morning, you know, the routine, you get the coffee. You get the... Maybe this week, coming months, into 2024, like it's the time of year where you map it out. Am I right? You get to the point where you join a gym stew, amazing, buff stew. That's what we're going to call you from now on, buff stew. There's this sense of like, I'm going to take a step. I know what's going to happen. But there's always the uncertain though, isn't there? Stuff we didn't see coming. Probably look back over the last year and see some curveballs. Stuff we didn't anticipate, stuff that was not on the plan. That wasn't in my, uh, my to-do list. And here's this curveball. Ironically, one of the certainties of life is that there will always be uncertainty. I wonder how often, if we're willing to listen, does God use that uncertainty, the nudge to step off track, to explore a little bit of life, the nudge away from familiarity and things that we know will happen and everything is in a routine and I know how it's going to go, this little nudge, the here be dragons territory, the blank of the map that hasn't been quite filled in just yet. And it's not always these nudges aren't always spectacular moves to do something spectacular overseas somewhere on a mission field or starting a ministry to people that you've dreamt about your whole life that makes you leave home and and go overseas. Sometimes the little nudge to go and do something isn't always as spectacular, say, as that, is it? Maybe it's a little less obvious that in those moments of uncertainty and I'm not really sure here, I'm kind of off track, I'm a little bit off the beaten path, that we get a little nudge to do something out of your ordinary. Maybe it's for somebody else. Can I encourage you to listen for those uncertain opportunities. When you're stood in line at, at Audi, and normally you just keep your head down and get it done, but maybe there's a chance for you to pay for someone's groceries. Maybe that's a little off map. That's a really basic example, isn't it? But it's off your map. It's off your everyday. But there's the, God, there's the Lord saying, hey, why don't you just show some generosity? That's a little bit off map. You've nudged slightly off track. Or maybe it's, uh, maybe it's being kind to the boss that no one likes. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> I'm not the boss. Uh, giving time to the most difficult person in your family. Taking that phone call or making that phone call to someone that you know is going to chew up your time. But it's a little bit off my map. A little bit out of, a little bit out of track. Maybe it's to dream again this year. Maybe your tracks are so well established, there's no room for dreaming again. Because I've been too disappointed. That's a little bit of here be dragons territory, isn't it? A little bit out of sync, a little bit out of step, trusting in him again, restoring relationships, repairing those things. As hard as the unknown may be, it's where God can do his most important work. In the, I'm not sure about this. I'm not really sure. That's what makes Genesis 12 so relevant, isn't it? That God says to Abram, out of the blue, he says it. Here it is again on the screen. It says this in verse 1. It says, the Lord said to Abram, leave your native country, your relatives. And here's the kicker. Go to the land I will show you. See that there? Go to the land. Oh, can we go back to verse 1, please? If possible. There isn't a verse 1. Oh, it is, yeah, okay, my bad. It says there, <laughs> oh, we're doing well. It's the first Sunday back. Go to the land I will show you. Are you with me? This is God saying, 
You need to go somewhere. And Abraham's, okay, I'll go with you. That sounds great. I'm being obedient. I'll take a step. I'll go to where you, like, I'll do what you've asked. I'll be obedient. But here's the Lord saying, to a land I will show you. That I will show you. You can hear Abram's in a dialogue, can't you? Like, yeah, I'll be obedient, but sorry, what? You're going you're gonna to ask me to leave everything I've known, my family, my land, my familiarity, and do what? Go somewhere that you've yet to show me. Are you sure that's what you want me to do? Isn't that the definition of uncertainty? Like being sure, amazing, yes, God's called me to do something, but where? What? God's like, I will show you. It's the call to the unknown region, to the new adventure, the places you've yet to be. It's a call to embrace the unknown, to embrace not knowing but going anyway, to embrace facing new challenges and not having all the answers, to embrace faith in what God has declared, to embrace what's beyond your current horizon, what's just beyond your sight. What's beyond your natural vision, beyond what you've noticed or been a part of and been involved with before? It's just beyond. You with me? These sailing ships, there's this whole atmosphere I'm trying to build where it's a little bit just beyond your horizon. A little bit just out there somewhere. A better title maybe for this morning could be to embracing uncertainty. Embracing what isn't known yet. Embracing what might come, what might And that's 2024 for us, isn't it? Maybe we're looking at it with some big uncertainties. Some things are sure. Maybe. Yes. Taxes are one of them. Um, But there's (laughs) death and taxes, the famous certainties of life. But there's some other big uncertainties. Maybe it's a new business adventure or business venture. (laughs) Family situations, financial problems, difficult relationships. Maybe it's a new job. Uncertainty. It can be confusing. It can be a frustration. It can be uncomfortable. And like Abraham Uh, Abram in that time, 2024, is calling us. God's calling us into regions unknown. Best we accept this oncoming challenge. So here's three thoughts. It's very scriptural. Have three thoughts. Here's some thoughts on embracing uncertainty. Are you with me this morning? Number one, embracing uncertainty encourages you to shed your ego. Embracing uncertainty encourages you to shed your ego. The preservation of the anti-trinity, me, myself, and I. <laughs> this, this all-encompassing life that we can lead as, 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 as fleshly people. I've just got to preserve me, myself, and I. The Apostle Paul in the New Testament writes frequently to the churches, to the believers, about the battle with self. The struggle with self-centeredness, about resting in our own achievements, believing that we're all that, that we've got it all together or I'll never get it together because it's all about me, it's all about myself, it's all about I. Here's Philippians chapter 3, Paul warns against self-righteousness or even self-focused faith. He lists all of his amazing exploits. Paul goes on and says, these are all the amazing things I did. Look, I've got a big long list of anyone. I should be the most proud of who I am because I've done amazing things. Go and read it for yourself in Philippians 3. He should have been proud. He should have been egotistical, but it says this. You've been reading it behind me, verse 7. It says this in the message. The very credentials these people are waving around as something special. 
He's also talking about his heritage as a Jew. I'm tearing up and throwing out with the trash along with everything else I used to take credit for. And why? Because of Christ. All these things I once thought were so important and gone from my life compared to the high privilege of knowing Christ Jesus as my master. Firsthand, everything I once I thought had going for me is insignificant. Dog dung. That's an accurate translation. <laughs> I've dumped it all in the trash so I can embrace Christ and be embraced by him. Your ego has to go. <laughs> Trusting and living in his strength and not our own. Uncertainty gives us a unique opportunity for this. To just let go of yourself. To not trust in your own accomplishments. Can I say too, mostly the ego, it mostly loves control. That's what ego thrives on. It's like it's oxygen. Your ego thrives on control, doesn't it? Being able to call the shots, being the boss, being in charge and making all the decisions. I'm the boss around here. I'm the man of the house around here when my wife's not around. <laughs> if you know that song, that's a famous song. Assuming perhaps that you're always right, isn't that what ego likes? It's what it feeds on. Oh, I've got this. It's fine. I know what's going on here. No, no, no. I'm fine. I'm good. I can do this. I can manage this. I just passed my driving test at 18. This is a really corny example. I passed my test at 18. I was in the car, my mum's car. I didn't have my own car. In my mum's car when I was 18 with a friend called Tim. Tim hadn't passed his driving test. I had passed my driving test. Who's more qualified to drive the car? Graham Berry is. I'm in the car with Tim. We're on the highway. We're going on the highway. It's fast. There's lots of wind blowing. We're, you know, this is exciting. First time out in the car after I passed my test. I know what's going on. I didn't know exactly, though, the off-ramp off the highway. I hadn't yet taken that off-ramp off the highway. Never done that before. I hadn't driven every road in my uh, locality. But Tim lived close by, and he said to me, oh, just be, just be careful of that bend. It's quite a steep bend. I'm like, yes, Tim, I've got it fine. No problem. Stereo turns up, drown him out. Uh, this is great. I'm driving. I'm 18. The world is my oyster. We're going to go far. This is amazing. We're going quick. Of course, we get to the bend. Tim says again, don't, don't, don't forget. The bend is quite sharp. I've, I live around here. It's quite a big bend. Yeah, fit. I'll be fine, Tim. No problem. Around the bend. And of course, you can all, you've already jumped far ahead in this story. The car, I turn the wheel as I see the bend gets sharper and sharper. The wheels lock up and we just go straight over the motorway size curb up onto the verge, narrowly avoid like flipping the car. It was a really big curb. It was a really small car. And we, you know, you can imagine the, the clunk and the silence. Shock and horror. What have I done? What's happened? I've just crashed my mum's car. I'm only a week into my test. <clears throat> Break the silence. Tim, to his credit, didn't say, told you so. He was very gracious, very kind. We managed to reverse back onto the highway. And of course, the steering wheel is upside down as we're driving home. The chassis has been bent. The steering pinions and everything have been thrown apart. And I have to drive home at 20 kilometers an hour to get back home to make the phone call. We didn't have a mobile phone back then. To get to the landline at home to say, Mom, I've busted the car. I've had a crash. Corny, really corny story. But how often is that a picture in our own lives? Us in the driver's seat. Yeah, I got this. I'm good. I can manage. I'm fine. And maybe you get a little nudge. Hey, just watch out for that bend. Lord, just whispering sometimes. Hey, don't ease up. You need this momentum. Keep your foot down. 
hey, you should slow down a little bit. There's something coming on the road. I'm good. I think I've been here before. It can't be that bad. I've, I've been here. But ego, right, gets in, the, gets in the driver's seat. The ego takes over. This natural need to control. It says this in Proverbs 3, verse 10. It's a famous, it's Proverbs 3, verse 5 to 10. I learned this when I was at a Bible camp when I was about four years old, five years old. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. Seek his will in all you do. And he will show you which path to take. It says this in the message, same passage. It says, trust God from the bottom of your heart. Don't try to figure everything out on your own. Listen for God's voice in everything you do. Everywhere you go, he's the one who will keep you on track. Don't assume you know it all. <laughs> That's ego being put to death. Don't assume you know it all. It says this a little bit later in that same passage. It says, run to God. Run from evil. Your body will glow with health. Your very bones will vibrate with life. What a credible promise. God's saying to you this morning is shed the ego. Trust in him wholeheartedly. For guidance, you'll receive it. Wholeness, you'll get it. We just need to let go. Embrace uncertainty. Lean into not knowing, to not being in control. Number two, is this okay? Am I preaching well this morning? Thank you. Amazing. Number two, embracing uncertainty empowers you to live selflessly. Very similar to the, same, to the first point. Similar vein. Paul says it very simply in the book of Philippians again in chapter 2 and verse 3. It says this, couldn't be plainer. Don't be selfish. Don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble. Thinking of, thinking of yourselves better than... Be humble, thinking of, thinking of others as better than yourselves. Don't look out only for your own interests, but take an interest in others too. That could be the end of my point. I could just finish right there. Just don't be selfish. Stop it. Stop it. But there's a bit more to it than that, isn't there? <laughs> like it's not as easy just to say don't be selfish. Because this type of selfless living is more than just simply self-denial. That's the, part, the first part of it, is it not? That's the starting point. But unlike other mystical religions or other, other, other uh, sects or other philosophies in the world, self-denial is not the end point. There's more to it than that. Because there, as much as we uh, end up denying ourselves, it ends, the end of that journey is to say, don't look at me, but look to Jesus. As we shed ourselves, as we live selflessly, it's not just an endless cycle of looking at ourselves, but instead the, endless, the end point of looking to Jesus. Let me just say something about that. Eastern religion, their symbol is the yin and the yang. It's constantly cycling around and around and around, always looking inward. What's the symbol of the cross? Arms outstretched, always pointing out. Isn't that us? Not just being navel gazers and denying ourselves and giving up earthly pleasures because so, that's what we need to do as Christians. But it's about then taking the next step. Not just self-denial, but then acknowledgement and pointing to Jesus in action, in word, in example. As we fade, so he comes into focus. We constantly revealing him and revealing other pathways for people to find him. In what we say and where we go and what we do. We're constantly revealing pathways to him. 
Uncertainty grants us a unique way to experience and walk out this selfless life. Off the map into the unsure, it demands us to loosen our grip on ourselves and hold on and point others to him. As you have to grapple with letting go of what you are and everything you do and everything you have to make sure as you let that go, suddenly your hands are free to bring others on that journey too. Holding on to my baggage, holding on to what I've got to sort out, holding on to my life. Here I am. This is what I'm doing. Instead, you're letting it go. In this, in this embracement of uncertainty, we're holding on to others, putting our faith and our trust into action as we release our grip on ourselves, looking up and around, not in and on ourselves. Our horizons broader, don't they? Our world gets bigger, not smaller, as we embrace the unknown. Let's embrace the chance to live bigger, hey, this year in 2024, to live a bit beyond ourselves, live a bit beyond what we're used to in my familiarity, in my certain track, in what I've got to get sorted, in my family life, in where I'm headed. Maybe it's a chance this year to let that go, to live selflessly, to then take others with us and say, why don't you come with me? As I point the others to Jesus, why don't you come with me? As I reveal him in word and in deed, why don't you come with me? Why don't we find this, why don't we find this life together? Number three, we're nearly finished. Number three, embracing uncertainty brings a godly perspective. I think our maps can make or break us. The perceptions we have about ourselves or circumstances or the future ahead of us, the expectations that we have even on this year, how we see things can have a massive impact on us, on ourselves, on our families, the people we're around, our, our perception of what's going to happen, our perspective about, well, that's how it's always been. That's who God is. That's how I'm always going to end up. Let me illustrate this. Coming back to my bedroom wall as a child, as a kid in my room, the world map that's on my wall. Come right back to with me. I'm 12, I'm 13. I've got this beautiful map, this poster on the wall of the world, the map of the world. It's all spread out. And although factually it was correct, it had the right rivers, it had the right, had the right roads, and it had the right cities, and it had the right coastlines and the right names of the rivers, all the facts were correct, but it was actually wrong. And most of the maps that you use for the world are wrong too. And if there's any nerds in the house, you've already figured this out where I'm going. The problem wasn't the facts, it was scale and proportion. I'm going to show you a world map. Here it comes. It's on the screen. This is a map of the world. Welcome. You are down there in the bottom corner. This is a, map, a pretty good map of the world, right? Pretty obvious. Everyone's seen this before. It's pretty, pretty standard. Problem with this map here we go, a little bit nerd, a little bit of a nerdism right here. This particular map is taken from a way of mapping the world that was out back in the 1500s. It's called the Makata projection. Are you with me so far? The Makata projection. And it's, it's not perfect because what they have to do is have to take a globe, a sphere, and they have to flatten it out onto a flat plane. Any flat earthers in the room? I'm very sorry to say that the world is round. Um, and they, you, flat, <laughs> you, flatten, you have to flatten a sphere out onto a flat plane. With that, if there's any mathematicians in the room, are a lot of challenges. Because you have to take a round thing and flatten it out. And what happens is, as that happens, it warps the sizes of some countries. Because what was on top of the world, as in the North and the South Pole, as that gets flattened out, it stretches things out of scale 
and proportion. You don't have to use your imagination. I'm going to do it for you. Oh, can I have the team back? Is that all right? I'm going to make this really obvious. Up here in this top corner, you're going to love this. Don't worry. Stay with me. Up in this top area here, does anyone know what that is? It's Greenland, right? It's white. Why is it called Greenland? Anyway, Greenland up here. That's how it looks on this projection of the map. This is how big it actually is in landmass. Chris, can I have that one? There it is. And now let's look at it in its actual size, its actual landmass. That's actually how big it is. I'm going to move out of the way. Do you see how small Greenland actually is? Are you with me? It's kind of moved a little bit. So that's it. On this projection of the map, it looks that big because of the warp and the scale, right? But in actual landmass, it's actually only this big. I'm going to do it with another one. This is fun. Canada. Over here, look. Here's Canada. Any Canadians in the house? Mick. This is big, right? It's actually the second biggest country in the planet. It's still a big country. But this is how big it actually is. Can we see that one, Chris? That's how big Canada actually is in actual landmass. Some of you are starting to see what's going on here. Can I do it one more time? Antarctica. Have you got that one, Chris? This is Antarctica. Looks enormous. On this map, it's the South Pole, right? Antarctica, the continent at the very bottom of the planet, sits right at the bottom. Look how big it is. It's huge. It takes up most of the map. It's massive. This is how big Antarctica actually is. Now, we're playing with high school geography here, but I pray you're starting to see something happen here. The question then becomes, do you, do we have faulty maps? The way we see things might, might be out of alignment with how God wants us to see them. That's a silly example, right? Using a map, little, little things. I pray you're starting to see and hear what God's trying to say this morning. Because there are things on the margins, on the edges of our maps, that can potentially seem a little bit much. A little bit domineering. Am I right? Perhaps 24 is full of those looming uncertainties. There's bits of the map that haven't been filled in and we've written on them, haven't we? Here be dragons. I've not been there yet and I think it's going to be bad. Maybe it's a health diagnosis. Maybe 2024 is going to be full of family trouble. Maybe it's financially issue, financial issues. Anxiety about what might happen. What's going to happen with the economy? What about inflation? What about crime? What about that wayward teenager in my family? What about a new course at university I, I'm not sure about? An indifferent partner? Changes at work? A new teacher at school? You could go on and on and on. These blank spots on the map, we're not sure. I don't know. It's shaping up to be pretty bad. They look very big. They look like they'll overrun me. But this year, 2024, maybe we need to bring them into proper alignment with what God says about your circumstance. That doesn't make them any less real. I'm not trying to get you to deny the problem. What I'm trying to do is get you to look at it in a godly perspective. Because oftentimes as humans, as people, we can look at something on the horizon and assume it's going to be one thing. It's huge. It's going to take me down. God says it may well be big, but it's no bigger than me. 
Let me encourage you in your walk today. Let's get the right perspective. The problem might be big, but we serve a bigger God. He is greater. When these things on the outside, on the very fringes of the map, do you notice what happened every time? They had to be moved closer to the center because the edges of the map are warped. These bits that we haven't been to, they're not, they're not properly aligned. They had to come into the middle of the map. They had to center themselves in order to find the right size, to be actually true to what they actually are. What's the center? It's Him. It's His Word. It's not what your friend says it is. It's not what maybe you felt like it's been before. It's His Word. Am I right? It's His Word that we hold up. That's the center. That's where we bring these things back to. It's not the far off distant thing you say what well, what is it what does it actually mean how do we bring this into alignment with his word how do we bring that into alignment with what god has said who god is where he sits one last scripture to you that's the end but i want to read to you this scripture don't don't misread me i'm not saying that your problem is small because there are people in this room who are facing some real challenges. There's some desperate situations. I'm not here to try and make problem. What I am here to do is magnify Him. The difference for you this year is not to focus on your problem, but to then instead magnify Him. As we bring that problem, that thing, that out thing that's out in the distance, in the horizons, we bring it into the center as you then start to what magnify him, that problem, that thing that you thought could never shift has suddenly changed shape. That thing has suddenly shifted. Goodness me, if it's a health diagnosis, God can heal. Maybe you're looking at that thinking, that's way off track for me. I've always had this problem. This is a brand new thing and no one ever survives. That's off track for you to then say, how about though... God is a God who heals. Maybe it's that relationship that you've been in. 2023 was the worst time for you in that relationship. It could probably never get better. That's the fringe. That's the outside where it's big and where it's looming and it's difficult. Bring it into the center. What does God's word say about who God is? How he's a miracle working God. How we can bring restoration in families. How we can bring wayward children home to be with Jesus. People you never thought would know him but can know him again. I'm not here to list every single thing. That's the word that will do that for you. I want to read this scripture though. It's in in Psalm chapter 34. Famous psalm, famous scripture. It's going to be more than just a couple of verses. (laughs) But I want you to listen to what God's doing here. As we magnify him. Another word that they use in scripture for that is to exalt him. That's why worship is so important in your own life, in the car, on the way to work, here on a Sunday. That's what's so important for you to worship, to praise, because it gets you out of seeing what you're seeing and gets you seeing who God, the way God sees it, on on who He is, as we exalt Him in our circumstances in our lives. Here's the Psalm of David. I want you to listen to this Psalm. Can you do that? I want to read this over you. I want to declare it over you. This is who... This is who God describes himself as. This is who David has known him to be. I will praise the Lord at all times. I will constantly speak his praise. I will boast only in the Lord. Let all who are helpless take heart. 
Come, let us tell of the Lord's greatness. Let us magnify His name together. I prayed to the Lord and He answered me. He freed me from all my fears. Those who look to Him for help will be radiant with joy. No shadow of shame will darken their faces. In my desperation I prayed and the Lord listened. He saved me from all my troubles. For the angel of the Lord is a God who surrounds and defends all those who fear Him. I pray you're listening this morning. Taste and see that the Lord is good. All the joys of those who take refuge in Him. Fear the Lord, you His godly people. For those who fear Him will have all they need. Even strong young lions sometimes go hungry. But those who trust in the Lord will lack no good thing. Come, my children, listen to me. I'll teach you to fear the Lord. Does anyone want to live a life that is long and prosperous? Then keep your tongue from speaking evil and your lips from telling lies. Turn away from evil and do good. Search for peace and work to maintain it. The eyes of the Lord watch over those who do right. His ears are open to their cries for help. But the Lord turns His face against those who do evil. He will raise their memory from the earth. The Lord hears His people when they call to Him for help. He rescues them from all their troubles. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted. He rescues those whose spirits are crushed. The righteous person faces many troubles, but the Lord comes to rescue each time. For the Lord protects the bones of the righteous. Not one of them is broken. Calamity will surely overtake the wicked and those who hate the righteous will be punished. Last verse. But the Lord will redeem those who serve Him. No one who takes refuge in Him will be condemned. I just read one psalm. I pray that it has re-centered you this morning. I pray that it has just ignited something in you that looking out over the here be dragons in your life this year, perhaps now there's an assurance all the more that He is bigger than that. That whatever you face, He's still stronger. Come on, are you with me? That He's still bigger than that. That He's faithful to deliver those who call out. That He listens to those that desperately cry out. That He delivers them from trouble. That He brings health. That He brings wholeness. That He brings prosperity. That's the God we serve at the very first Sunday. I pray that you're listening. I pray that you're listening to what God's saying here this morning. That although there may be dragons, there may be uncharted waters, He's still the God who knows how to steer your ship. He's still the God that sends the right wind. He's still the God that nudges you to change tact, to adjust the sails, to tiller one way and lean into the wind on the other. He doesn't promise there won't be trouble. He just says, in the middle of that storm, I'll still be there for you. I'll still help you navigate. Yea, though I walk through the valley. Come on, why don't you stand with me? Let's pray. Let's finish. Would you lift your hands out this morning with me? Would you do that? Would you receive from him this morning? God, we want to we want to settle again who you are in our hearts as we stare down the barrel of another year as big or as great or as as difficult as it might be looking to us I pray Father that at this very moment there would be a deposit of courage a deposit of assurance that you're with us 
no matter what may come in the uncertain times, as we embrace those uncertainties, instead of running from them, Father, I pray that we would embrace them. Lord, and in the middle of that, we'd embrace you all the more. Lord, I pray, Father, there'd be such an outpouring, Lord, of courage over this congregation to step up to step up, and into everything he's got for them individually, Lord, and for this church as we move forward this year. Like Andrew's praying earlier, Father, we receive that double portion. Lord, for everything you've got for us, everything that's ahead, Lord, we declare it, we receive that it is good and that it is of you, Father. I pray for difficult situations, in families especially. Would you pray with me, church? Would you, would you pray with me along as we pray like this as a family? Would you pray with me? Father, I pray for every single person. Lord, I pray that there would be such a deposit, Lord, of your grace, Lord, of your favor, that they would see things that have yet to be seen. I pray that you would release a prophetic anointing into their family, Lord, over their partner, in their, in their marriage, Lord, over their children, that they would begin to see things they've yet seen. Lord, things that have yet to be, I pray they would have the eye of the prophet to see what has yet to come. Lord, things of favour, Lord, things of breakthrough, things of miracles in relationships, restoration. I pray you'd whisper to them when they're driving in their cars, Lord, when they're they're on their knees, when they're at work on their lunch break, you would just step in. Lord, you'd invade that space and say, it's going to be okay. They're going to come home. That that relationship's going to be restored. That child is going to come back to me. That relationship is going to be okay. You've yet to see what I'm yet to do. Pray there be a great release of that this year. Even today, this week I pray, there'd be such a brilliant release of your spirit. Lord, that they would find courage this week, Father. They'd see something, they'd hear something, they'd read something. Lord, that would give them great courage for 2024. That as they bring it into alignment, as they drag it down out of the unknown and into the centrality of your word, of the power of your gospel, Father, that your word would sink deep into their hearts, Lord. These seeds would bring fruit and they'd see you for who you are, Father. And a faith-filled church said together, amen and amen. Thank you once again for joining us. Feel free to contact us on our Facebook, our website, and jump on our Instagram at mcc.church. Also, make sure to rate and review as well as share. Finally, from all the team at MCC, have a blessed day. And until next time, bless you.